Well, over these past number of weeks, just over a month now, we have been reflecting line by line, verse by verse on Psalm 23, as well as other facets of the shepherd and sheep theme that we find throughout the pages of Scripture. Today we are concluding that series and wrapping it all up on the final verse of of Psalm 23. Now, before I can go any further, there's a few other things that need to be mentioned this morning. One of them being that today is, of course, Valentine's Day. So, happy Valentine's to all of you. And I hope that, husbands and wives, that you have wished that to each other already this morning. Especially husbands. And I also hope that the spirit of of what Valentine's Day is really all about, which is showing Christian love towards each other, is something that we not only show to each other today, but every day, that we would show um, that in practical ways, that we love each other here in this fellowship. Also, I want to bring to your attention, in case you weren't aware, this past Wednesday was Ash Wednesday, meaning that that is the first day of the season of Lent, which we have just entered. Lent being the 40 days, not including Sundays, leading up to Easter. And so it's a time of preparation and a time of self-reflection upon uh, what Jesus has done for us as we journey again towards the cross, Good Friday, and the resurrection on Easter Sunday. And it's a time of, of preparation to again worship our Lord and hear his voice and what he would have us do and what it means for us to, to follow him to carry our own cross in doing so. So I pray that you would take time in the coming days for that and for reflection and meditation upon what Jesus has done for us. I also just want to um, uh, pass along a little bit of information from uh, someone from our congregation, uh, Jade Clawson. He hasn't been uh, here. He's been in Brandon for a little period of time, but I wanted to relay that he has been accepted now for RCMP training at Depot in Regina. So he is heading there on Monday, and uh, his family and Naomi and Jade himself has requested prayer that we would pray for him uh, in this process. It's going to be uh, a journey, to say the least, so we want to uh, relay that information to you this morning. I would invite you to once again bow with me, and let's ask the Lord's blessing upon his word. (laughs) Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a good God. Thank you, Lord, that you are for us, that if you were to have given us what we deserve, we could not have received salvation, we could not have received your love, for we do not deserve it. But Lord, we thank you that you have given us what we don't deserve, which is mercy, grace, and love greater than we can even begin to comprehend. So thank you, Lord, that you are such a gracious God. Lord, this morning we have many concerns that we could bring before you. If we were to take the time to list each one of them individually uh, from each life represented in this congregation this morning, it would take more time than we have. But Lord, we thank you that you know each individual concern. You know the secret hidden thoughts of our minds. You know the worries that we carry with us, the anxieties. Lord, you know the, the circumstances that we're facing, perhaps strained relationships, or or other things that are keeping us up at night. And Lord, we come before you and we bring these things to you. For you have told us to bring our burdens to you. For you care for us. You've told us to lay our burdens down and give them to you. And you will take them. And so Lord, we choose to do that this morning. We give you our burdens and we pray that Lord, you would lift them from us. And now Lord, as we enter your word, we thank you that you are the good shepherd. 
and that you care for us, your sheep, that you care for our needs, and that, Lord, you have prepared a path for us to walk in. And so, Lord, this morning, as we reflect on one of the final stages of that journey that we follow as we follow you, we pray that you would minister to us by your Holy Spirit, give us understanding as we learn, and deepen our walk with you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I realize that not everyone here this morning will have been in each part of the sermon series. This is part five in the series that we are concluding on the Good Shepherd and the Sheep. So I'm going to begin with a brief recap this morning with a pictorial review. So we're going to begin with slide one, one that I showed you on the very first day of this series. This is a picture that I took in Nazareth uh, of an old shepherd. This is in Nazareth in Israel. And here we see this ancient shepherd dressed in the attire that first century shepherds would have been wearing in Jesus' time. And in that first part, we learned that in order to get to where we want to go, if we want to get to where we want to go, we need to be on the right path. And that means following the right shepherd. And we learned how there only is one right shepherd, one good shepherd, and that is none other than Jesus Christ. In part two, the following week, we learned that though sheep sometimes stray from the shepherd, the good shepherd, he never stops looking for his sheep. Even if they stray, even if they're a so-called black sheep that leaves the, the flock, he never stops looking for them. And when he finds them, he places them on his shoulders and he carries them home. And sometimes, even if necessary, he will even break or wound the leg of the sheep in order that it would learn to stay by his side. And that is one of the reasons that the shepherd is carrying the sheep on his shoulders, is because he had to discipline the sheep in order to save it. And it's there on the, on the shepherd's shoulders he learns the intimacy with the shepherd, he learns his heartbeat, and he learns to obey his voice. In the next slide, we looked at the valley of the shadow of death. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And here in this picture, this is a, a, a place in Israel called Wadi Kelt. And this is believed to have been the backdrop for David's psalm where he referred to the valley of the shadow of death. And here we see a deep, dark valley where even at midday there's still long shadows being cast across the path in the bottom. Here there are many dangers that lurk in a valley like this. Thieves, robbers, wolves, but also one of the very real threats of a flash flood coming through a valley such as this. And it is even here that the sheep has confidence that following the good shepherd, there is nothing to fear. That so long as the shepherd is near, there is nothing to fear. Last week, we looked at how finally under the shepherd's watchful eye, we make it through the valley and we can feast on God's provision on the green pastures. And there, feasting on the provision of the green pastures, all the enemy can do is watch. They've made it through the danger, and now they are feasting. Their cup runs over with the plenty and the provision of God. And now this week, we are going to wrap up our study with a reflection on where our journey with the shepherd is leading us. And so here today, we want to consider where we're headed. Where is the path taking us? And so that's what we want to do this morning. I want to share with you a story to begin of how just a few weeks ago, 
Leanne was out for the evening, and I'd finally gotten the boys to bed, and I was just settling down on the couch to relax with a little bit of sports center. And this, of course, came only after the bedtime routine. If you're in that stage of life, a parent, you know the bedtime routine. It includes things like wrestling them into their pajamas, followed by a few laps racing around the hall, a wrestling-slash-tickling match on the floor, reading just one more story at least three times, getting them to brush their teeth, then tucking them into bed, saying their prayers, singing a song, remembering we didn't go to the bathroom, getting them up, getting them to the bathroom, back in bed, another song, say goodnight, and finally close the door. Does that sound familiar to anyone else other than me? (laughs) Okay. That's the bedtime routine. So that's all finally happened. I'm just getting comfortable on the couch, and I hear Declan's bedroom door open, and I hear his little voice ask, Daddy, can I have some ice cream? (laughs) Well, my response is about what you'd expect, right? Not a chance, bud. It's bedtime. Get back in there. Undaunted, Declan's response comes back, But you said we could have ice cream for night snack. And you know what? He was right. As much as I didn't want to admit it, right after supper, I had told him that we would have ice cream for night snack. I had forgotten, but he hadn't. And so here it is, past his bedtime, we've got it all done, taken care of, he's tucked into bed. After all of this, the two of us sat down at the kitchen table and enjoyed a scoop of chip and mint ice cream together. Whether or not that was the right choice or not giving a boy you're trying to get to sleep sugar right before is probably not wise. But there was something about keeping my word that seemed more important than whether or not he had sugar in his system that night. And now, if I as a human father know how to keep my word that I've given to my child, even when I've forgotten, how much more will God, our Heavenly Father, one who never forgets, he doesn't forget anything, How much more will he keep each one of the promises that he has given to us? In Matthew chapter 7, verse 11, Jesus said this, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the good gifts to those who ask him? You see, the truth is, the Bible is simply filled up to the brim and overflowing with the promises of God the promises that he has made to his children. And today we are going to study and meditate upon one of the most eloquent, beautiful, and profound promises in all of Scripture. Psalm 23, verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, the first thing I want you to notice in the context of this psalm is we've got to remember we're talking about sheep following a shepherd. And so here we see in verse 6 that the sheep are finally on the path home. Now, in the past weeks, we have traveled with the sheep as they have lied down in green pastures, passed by still waters. They have, we have walked alongside the shepherd as he searched for the sheep that went astray. We have walked single file along narrow pathways, passed through the dark and dangerous valleys, and feasted on the hillsides. But good or bad, all of those locations were temporary, for they were all just part of the journey. This picture that I've shown uh, at different points throughout this series is one that I took on a hillside 
modern-day Israel. In fact, this was in Jordan, just across the Jordan River. We see a, a still capture of these sheep following a shepherd along a rocky hillside. But this moment frozen in time did not stay that way because if I'd waited a few minutes longer, they would have passed around the bend. Because the hillside was not their destination. It's just the pathway. They are going somewhere else. And so it is with us in life. Everything that we are experiencing is only part of the journey. It is not our final destination. And so as we consider these sheep traveling along the hillside, something is different. And I would like to envision that what is different about that picture is that perhaps that very morning, they heard the shepherd's voice ring out, We're going home. We're going home. The final leg of the journey has arrived, and the sheepfold is waiting. Now in this next picture, you'll see a picture of an ancient sheepfold. The sheepfold is a place of safety, peace, and rest. It is a place that sheep and shepherd alike are eager to return to. For though the journey was necessary, though they had to go out to find pastures to feed and to graze upon, home is always the destination. And isn't it that way in our lives as well? We have to go out, we have to travel here and there, and we have to do different things. And sometimes we have to do things we don't want to do, but we just have to. But in the end, where do we always want to get back to? We want to get home. Home is a place of rest, a place of safety, a place of belonging. And so it is for the sheep and the shepherd. Home is the destination. And now, though their faces are finally set towards home, they have not yet arrived. For in many cases, the return journey necessitated that the flock retrace their steps, which included things like passing back through the valley of the shadow of death. Yes, they were on the way home, but they were not home free just yet. More dangers perhaps still lie ahead. And so what assurances did they have that they would make it? Well, this is where we see that the sheep receive an escort. You see, as the shepherd continues to lead the flock from one pasture to another, up one pathway and down another, we see here this beautiful line, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. We have a divine escort, goodness and mercy. Now, I want you to picture for a moment, in this next slide, you'll see what I'm saying when I, when I ask you to picture this. I want you to picture that as the sheep are moving up one pathway and down another, there are two sheepdogs nipping at the sheep's heels. And it just so happens that the good shepherd has named the two sheepdogs goodness and mercy. You see, the shepherd is leading, and goodness and mercy are bringing up the rear. They are, they are bringing the, the sheep along. They are doing the work of the shepherd. Now, even though comparing goodness and mercy to sheepdogs may not have been exactly what David had in mind when he wrote the words to this psalm, it's amazing how well that idea fits within both the theme and context of the psalm. For it is truly God's goodness and mercy that will see us safely home. Well-known author Max Licato writes this, If the Lord is the shepherd who leads the flock, goodness and mercy are the two sheepdogs that guard the rear. Goodness and mercy. Not goodness alone, for we are sinners in need of mercy. 
Not mercy alone, for we are fragile in need of goodness. We need them both. As one man wrote, goodness to supply every want, mercy to forgive every sin. Goodness to provide, mercy to pardon. Goodness and mercy, the celestial escort of God's flock. If that duo doesn't reinforce your faith, try this phrase, all the days of my life. What a huge statement. Look at the size of it for a moment. Not some of the days of my life, not only the good days of my life, all the days of my life. Think of the worst day you've ever had in your life, the darkest day of your life. Was God there? Was his goodness and mercy there on that dark day? God's word tells us that it was. Do you believe that? I believe that if it were not for God's goodness and mercy being there on the darkest day of your life, you would not be here this morning. God's goodness and mercy, they follow us every single day. Think of the days that lie yet ahead in your life. What do you see as you look ahead? What do you see? What are your days like? Days at home with toddlers, God will be at your side. Days in dead-end jobs, he will walk with you through them. Days of loneliness, he will take your hand. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me, not some, not most, not nearly all, but all the days of my life. You and I, like sheep, are on a journey through life. And though our experiences can differ greatly, We have all had our share of joy and sorrow, victory and defeat, gain and loss, delight and despair. But no matter the circumstances of your life, no matter what you're facing right now, isn't it good to know that God's goodness and mercy is with you? Isn't it good to know that those sheepdogs of heaven don't take a day off either? They will follow you. So let me ask you, what kind of a day are you having right now today? What challenges are you facing tomorrow and the next week and the next month of your life? No matter what, God's promise is that no matter how you feel or where life's journey is taking you, his goodness and mercy will be your escort and they will follow you doggedly. They will not give up. They will not be dissuaded. A pastor once shared the following story. He writes this. I was traveling to Chicago and saw an elderly man and his wife pulled over to the side of the road in their truck. They were waving for help. So, of course, I stopped and asked if I could be of assistance. What was wrong? Well, the elderly man told me that he was a a pastor and that he and his wife were on their way to a town just up the road, but the needle of their fuel gauge was on empty and he was afraid that he was going to run out of gas. And so he asked if we would be able to give him a ride to the nearest gas station. I said, sure, but since you've not yet run out of gas, I suggested that he get back in the truck and just keep driving towards the next station. I would follow behind him. And if he ran out of gas, I would take him to get gas from there, but at least we would be closer. He agreed to this and thanked me. So we drove over 20 miles, and I watched him as he would look in his rearview mirror and wave to me as I followed him. The truck never did run out of gas. We made it all the way to the gas station. And at the station, he thanked me profusely. And he said, just knowing you were behind us, just in case we ran out of gas, it allowed me and my wife to drive without worry because we knew you were behind us. 
That's how God works also. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. We can live our lives with confidence, knowing it will never run out. If you think that it could run out, it can't. If you think that you're running on empty, God will provide for your needs. He will. It is a promise that we can count on. Now, the only principal difference between God and just following behind is that his goodness and mercy are not there just in case we need them. They are there because we cannot make it to where we need to go without them. They're not just a safety net. They are our lifeline. We need God's goodness and mercy. Exodus chapter 34 verse 6 tells us this. The Lord God is merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness. Do you catch that? The Lord God is merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness. This is core to who God is. Consider, if God were not good, why would he have ever paused long enough to care even a minute about humankind as broken and stained by sin as we are? Consider, if God were not merciful, how could he ever give us anything but exactly what our many sins deserve, which is judgment? But God is not like that. God is merciful and filled with goodness. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 to 5 says this, All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were made by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. For it is by grace you have been saved. If you have never stopped to thank God for his goodness and his mercy in your life, you ought to just pause right now and do so. Thank him for his goodness and mercy. Thank him that they are following you. For it is principally the combination of goodness and mercy. It is through those two things combined that we receive grace. Grace that is greater than our greatest sin. Grace that will carry us through the dark valley of death. Grace that will carry us to heaven's pearly gate. And it will only be through God's amazing grace, which he has given us through Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, that we will safely arrive in the fold of heaven. Finally, where we will arrive at home and at a place of perfect rest. And so here we see the sheep have been on a journey. They've been escorted along the pathway safely through the goodness and mercy of God. And now they arrive at home. And here in this next slide, we see a picture of what that looked like in the Middle East, even today. Here we see the sheep. They finally arrived home. They're in the sheepfold. The shepherd is at the gate. We're reminded of where Jesus said, I am the gate. The sheep cannot come and go except through me. And this is a literal thing because the shepherd, there was, there was often no gate on the sheepfold. The shepherd himself was the gate. He would stand or sit in the gate, the one entrance to the sheepfold. Anyone coming or going had to go through the shepherd. And that's what Jesus said. He said, I am the gate. I am the way. We must go through him. So here we see the sheep have arrived safely at home. Now, as I've said many times in this series and this morning again, 
Each of us is on a journey through life. And though we may vary at what stage of that journey we find ourselves, one thing that we all share in common is this. None of us is currently living at a permanent address. Do you follow? You're not living at a permanent address, and neither am I. Sure, I live at 318 Laurier Avenue, but I won't be there forever. I'm just passing through. Relatively speaking, I could be there for a very long time. But even if I lived at 318 Laurier for another 50 years, eventually someone's coming to take me either to Bayside or to my six-foot-by-three-foot plot of land in the cemetery. So you see, no matter where you or I currently are in our journey, whether death is a long way off or if it's very near, we are all headed towards our final home, the one and only place that can truly be called our permanent fixed address. And this is where the psalmist concludes, And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You ever stopped and thought about forever? Forever is a really long time. It's a really, really, really long time. Forever is forever. It's so long, in fact, that you can take the word time out of the equation. For time as we know it will simply not exist there. We know that the sun, which is currently our source of light, it's the source of our seasons. It's why we have winter and summer, springtime and fall. We are going around the sun. The Bible tells us that there will no longer be a need for the sun in heaven because God himself will be our source of light. We know that aging and sickness and death will be no more in heaven. And we know that heaven is a place where moth and rust will not decay or a place where thieves can break in and steal. Heaven is a place of permanence. It is a place where there will be no more striving. We will simply be. And all that is good and pure and delightful and noble and holy will be ours to enjoy forever, moment upon moment, age upon age, eternity without end. We hear that and inevitably our flawed minds think things like, but won't I eventually get tired of it all? I mean, if it goes on forever, won't all the singing and worshiping get boring after a while? Well, for starters, fatigue and boredom simply won't exist there. That's something that's from our flawed age and our flawed thinking. It won't exist there. And secondly, our Lord Jesus has spent a good long while, at least in earthly terms, he spent a good long while preparing a place specifically for us, his children. Remember what he said to his disciples. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus spoke those words some 2,000 years ago. So what do you suppose he could have been preparing in that time? I mean, think about it. In just six days, God created the universe. So what is he capable of doing with two millennia? God is sparing no expense in his preparations. As R.G. Lee wrote, Heaven is the most marvelous place the wisdom of God could conceive of and that the power of God could, could prepare. 
There was a little girl that was born blind. She had never seen anything her entire life, and so the only beauty she knew of in the natural world came from her mother's descriptions of it. Whether it was flowers in spring, trees in fall, snow in winter, ocean, tide in the summertime, the little girl could only imagine it through the voice of her mother. But then at 10 years of age, she had an experimental surgery done to see if it could help her see. Finally, after the operation was completed, the bandages remained on for several weeks, but then came the moment of truth. Removing the bandages had the operation been successful. And so in the safety of a dimly lit room, the bandages were slowly removed, and finally the moment of truth came. The little girl could see, blinking her eyes rapidly at the sensation of light entering them for the very first time. She gasped at what was around her, covering her eyes at even the dimmest of lights, experiencing it for the first time. Finally adjusting to the dim surroundings around her, she sees the curtain covering the window. She jumps up, runs to the window, and throws back the curtains. She gasped. And in utter delight, she cries out, Mother, why didn't you tell me it was so beautiful? To which her mother replied, I tried. I tried, but words just weren't enough. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 tells us, But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those that love him. I believe that in heaven we are going to spend the first age simply running around breathless in utter delight. And when we cross paths with the Apostle John who wrote the Revelation, we'll say to him, why didn't you tell us it was so beautiful? And he'll say, I tried, but words just weren't enough. And my friends, my prayer for each of us, for myself as well as for you, is that the reality of what God is currently preparing for us would sink deeply into each of our hearts, into our minds. That by it we would realize that in the end, the only thing that truly matters about this life is that we are on the right path, following the right shepherd, the only one who can take us to where we need to go the only one who can take us safely into the fold. And not only ourselves, but those around us, those we know and those we don't. For in the end, we all need Jesus. Jesus is the way. He is the gate. He is the only way to the Father. We all need the guidance of the Good Shepherd. But how can others know Jesus if they have no one to introduce them to him? My friends, if you today can confidently say, the Lord is my shepherd, He doesn't want you to keep that to yourself. He wants you to tell others. The Lord is my shepherd, and he can be yours as well. Tell others wherever you go. When presented with an opportunity, tell them how they can know the good shepherd personally for themselves. For in the end, knowing about the shepherd is not enough. Being in the proximity of the shepherd is not enough. We must know him personally. And more... And more importantly, most importantly, he must know us by name. For as he said, I know my sheep, I call them by name. And so today, I hope you have that confidence. 
that you know him personally, that you belong to the good shepherd. You see, it's really simple when you come right down to it. All of us are sinners. All of us have sinned. We've all fallen short of God's perfect standard. And so our sins, big or small, deserve judgment. doesn't matter if it was murder or if it was a lie. We deserve judgment for it. Jesus took that judgment on himself when he died on the cross. He took what you deserve on himself when he died on that cross. It has been taken. The price has been paid. And that's why we call it grace. Because it's an undeserved gift. And all that we have to do is receive it by putting our faith in Jesus. By trusting that what he has done is enough. And we receive that free gift of grace, salvation, that we become God's child. Our sins are washed away and we enter into his family. And the hope of eternity, the house of the Lord, becomes ours. One of my favorite stories as we wrap up this morning is about a famous actor who was once the guest of honor at a social gathering where he received many requests to recite favorite excerpts and quotes from various, various literary works and plays. An old preacher was in the audience that day, and he asked the actor to recite the 23rd Psalm. Well, the actor agreed on the condition that after he had concluded, the old preacher would also recite the psalm as well. And so the famous actor stands up, and with great flourish, he begins to recite the famous psalm. It was everything that the audience could have expected from the polished actor. The phrases were elegant. His voice rose and fell to give each thought its proper emphasis. And when he had finished, the crowd spontaneously broke into lengthy applause. It was a brilliant performance. Now it was the old preacher's turn. He wasn't so polished. His voice was rough and broken from many years of preaching. His diction was anything but good. But he got to the front stood behind the podium. He rested his arms on the stage, and finally, with a rough and cracked voice, he closed his eyes and began. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And by the time he reached the final line, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There was not a dry eye in the room. And later when someone asked the actor what made the difference between the two recitals, he had replied, I know the psalm, but that old preacher knows the shepherd. What a difference that makes. You can know all about him, you can know the words, but do you know the shepherd like that? Do you desire to? My friends, you can. You can. You can enter into a relationship like that, one by his grace. He welcomes us into. He loves you more than you know. He says, walk with me. I will show you the way. I will love you. I will give you strength for the day. My goodness and mercy will escort you all the days of your life as you walk with me, and I'm going to take you home. So saddle up. We're going. Walk with me, and I will show you the way. You can enter into a relationship like that right now today, whether it's for the first time or for the hundredth time, 
that you say, Lord Jesus, I want to walk more closely with you. We can do that today, but it takes a step of faith. It takes a conscious choice that no one else can make for you to say, Lord Jesus, I want to walk with you more closely today. Help me. Would you bow with me and let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are the good shepherd. You have given us your invitation to follow you, to walk with you, to learn from you, to love like you. And so, Lord Jesus, if there's anyone here this morning who is ready to enter into that relationship for the very first time, I pray that you would just welcome them in, that they would feel your love and know that they are welcome, that your grace is enough, that your death on the cross paid the punishment for their sins, and now they can receive forgiveness. Sins can be washed away when we simply come to you and we confess, I have sinned. I receive your forgiveness for myself, Lord Jesus. I put my trust and faith in you. I want to walk with you and follow you. And Lord, for those who have made that decision, Lord, we reaffirm that our life's goal, our aim, is to follow you and to learn from you and to be like you. So Lord Jesus, help us to walk more closely with you as we leave today than we did when we entered. Keep drawing us, Lord. Don't give up on us. Even when we're, we're hard-headed and our hearts are so easily drawn other ways from you, Lord, forgive us for that and help us to refocus on you. As we leave here today, may we walk more closely with you. Bless each one, Lord, and bless this flock, your church, that we could grow closer to you and grow closer to each other as we walk in love. According to your will, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.